Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Nicole, why did you want to come out so early to talk to us today? Because I have things to do. (laughs) I mean, I can relate. Where's Jokic running off to? The NBA Finals after crushing the top three teams in the East, where the Nuggets are headed, and who can actually stop them? Can anybody? Plus, LeBron, he had no comment on Dylan Brooks, but why Zach and Perk are just as mad as the Lakers after his dangerous play last night. And with the Knicks on the brink of making franchise history, you do not want to miss Perk's major statement on what could change Jalen Brunson's season trajectory. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN. Bet Chanae Agumake, Tim Legler here in studio. I'm Malika Andrews, Zach Lowe, Kendrick Perkins. They're going to be stopping by shortly. So this week, right, we got the 50th chapter of LeBron versus Steph, one of the NBA's greatest rivalries of the century. LeBron's had plenty of historic rivals, right? You think about LeBron versus Kobe. You think about LeBron versus Kevin Durant. You think about LeBron versus the Celtics. And then you think about the storied rivalry of LeBron James (laughs) versus (laughs) Dylan Brooks. The Lakers, they were in Houston last night. Your city, Chinea Gumake. The Rockets got off to a good start, but that's not what everyone was chattering about. Take a look at Dylan Brooks here, kind of undercutting Jared Vanderbilt. A completely unnecessary play. I am so mad at the outcome of Dylan Brooks' antics that we're not talking about all the good that Houston did early on, first quarter in the the first half as well. There was plenty of good that he did, but watch this. Jared Vanderbilt, he pushes Dylan Brooks there. He was given He's getting his lick back. Given a second technical here, and then was tossed out of the game. Yeah, he didn't get much really money for his money's worth right here. I mean, yeah. a little flick in the back of the head, barely touches him, but he's gone. And that's what Dylan Brooks wants, right? He wants to instigate you to overreact, and you're the one that pays the price. So out goes Jared Vanderbilt, but Dylan Brooks, he had a little bit more left in the tank here today. Watch him on this play here. Passes out. I mean, there was some good here for the Houston Rockets, but then. What's going on with LeBron? A non-basketball play that you see right here by Dylan Brooks. I mean, swiping at the ball and then making some kind of gesture at his head. Like, to me, there's no place in the game for that type of stuff. So Brooks is given a flagrant foul. James stays in the game here. Here's a little bit of the good that Dylan Brooks would contribute. He hits a shot but over LeBron. Like haunting right yep, there. The let's skip. know it. The Lakers, they lose big in this one. Here's Anthony Davis on Brooks' antics last night. Yeah, I mean, he's going for you know, a wide-open dunk, and you just push him in the back. So, it's not a safe play. You know, guys get hurt like that. You, know, you got to know the type of player he is. Um, you know, kind of let that just keep going on, and he kind of provoked it. You know, he talks and says whatever he wants to the refs, to players, and at the end of the day, we men. Well, we were here earlier in the year. Uh, we asked you about uh, Brooks, and you said next you- question. Okay, next question, but I have a question because, as promised, Perkins Acker here. Kendrick, what's your reaction to this latest chapter, the antics from Dylan Brooks? 
You know, the push in the back with Jared Vanderbilt, yes, it was unnecessary, but I don't want to hear anything about what Dylan Brooks did for as his antics. Let's talk about how Dylan Brooks set the tone with his tenacity. And let's talk about how the Lakers weren't ready, knowing that they were walking into some beef. The, the Rockets were ready to make hamburgers, and they did. See, here's the thing, right? We saw LeBron James and Ime Udoka get into it in the Crypto.com yeah. arena. We know the history between LeBron and Dylan Brooks since last year, right, throughout the whole course of the postseason. So this was expected. They just didn't match the energy. And my thing is, is this. We're not going to sit up here and talk about his antics. Let's talk about what he brought to the table and what he brings to this Rockets organization, and that's tenacity. He's been playing hell of a basketball, and he knew that they were geared up. I think, what, the Lakers and them are, what, ninth and 10th for us in the, in the West? They might have to see each other in the play-in tournament. They know it's tension. Zach, are you with Perk on this? Look, I'm sorry, Perk. I get what you're saying, and, yes, the Lakers have much bigger problems than Dylan Brooks, but there's a difference between – the antics, as we're calling it, you know, talking trash, getting in people's face, going chest to chest. That push in the back is one of the most dangerous things you can do in basketball. And Anthony Davis is right. People do get hurt that way. You flash back a decade plus ago, Andrew Bogut was never the same after he went up for a dunk and Amari Stoudemire got him in the back and he landed wrong and snapped his arm. Was never the same guy. Still a good player, never the same guy. That is totally separate. You should get thrown out of the game for that. And the Lakers are right to be pissed off about it. It's a completely dangerous act. We can talk all you want about the Lakers, but I think we got to separate the antics, which is fine. Dylan the Bill and all that. It's a little tiresome, but fine. That push in the back. The Lakers were justified to be upset about it. Yeah, I think I'm with Zach on this. It feels like that was a little bit more than just basketball. But, Perk, since you want to talk about the basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers, let's do it. Because Monday's loss, it drops the Lakers back to 500 for the sixth time this month. That's after the team has gone 7-7 seven and seven so far in the month of January. They stayed within two games of 500, as you can see here, the entire month. So, Tim, I mean, it seems like the story of the Lakers season is whenever they get a big win, it's immediately just followed by a loss to a team that they're expected to beat. So how can they get out of this back-and-forth cycle and take the next step? I think it all gets back to the mentality of the team. This is a team that is really just built for the postseason, right? That's what they're thinking about. They're not a team that's going to bring that level of intensity every night in the regular season. Their roster isn't made up that way. They're not a good enough three-point shooting team to like win those trade baskets type of games, which is what the league has a lot of nights. They're not going to win those. So you've got to come with that mentality to be big more physical, take advantage of the weapons they have that differentiate them from their opponent. And they just don't show up like that. They can still get up for the big games. You saw how hard they played in the Warriors game the other night, like those marquee games, spotlight-type games. They'll get up for those. But then they get a team like Houston coming in that, look, they play hard. Houston does compete. And you've got to be ready. And you can take it from them early and kind of take their will if you can do it. That's not who the Lakers are. They, yeah, they're they a team that's just going to muddle through the regular season and expect to be able to put forth some sort of run in right. the second half, maybe after muddle, a move. They can't muddle too far, though, no, because no. They, they, can't, they don't have the ability to just climb back up. Yeah, and you can't muddle through an 82-game season. And you're absolutely right. The Lakers are built to be more physical, especially with the way AD has been playing and even LeBron James being a point forward. They're built to be bigger, right? But then they run into the Houston Rockets, who are small. Yeah. I mean, their center that we talk about is Alperin Shangoon, who's basically having his way with the entire NBA in an impressive way. I really, really disagree with Perk on this. 
I think Dylan Brooks, no one is a bigger fan of the Houston Rockets than myself here at ESPN. That is true. I support D Dylan Brooks becoming a Rocket, but I do not support the way they win and how he handles those situations like we saw. Yes, we know there's a history with LeBron James. Yeah, we get that. But still, those are dangerous plays, and I think anybody that supports the Houston Rockets would not support those types of plays. Right. Even though they helped no, you win. The uh, game was lost early on, and that's the story of the Lakers. The Lakers, they come out, and they don't do well in first quarters. And the Rockets, they've been playing so well. I mean, we're not talking about Cam Whitmore. We're not talking about the 20, first, uh, you know, first half fast break points. We're talking about these antics. And to me, it's more about the Lakers' ineptitude in the first quarter. It's also about them being 15th in defense and 21st in offense. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. Like you mentioned, they get up for the big games, but that's sometimes not enough runway for them to run it back twice in back-to-back -back years. Right. Perk, it sounded like no, you wanted. No, what, Go ahead. What, what, yeah, yeah, Sinead, I never said I supported Dylan Brooks for his, his antics. I'm talking about the tenacity that he brought for us getting into LeBron James defensively. I watched that entire game yesterday. He brings a certain type of tenacity. I didn't never say that I support him pushing Jerry Vanderbilt in the back or swiping LeBron. I said I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about how great the Rockets played. And Dylan Brooks did play some excellent basketball yesterday. And he has played excellent basketball right. all season long. Right, but it's And those... so when the, when the Lake Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just those sorts of things I think no. Shanae is saying that overshadow at times because here's the thing. Dylan Brooks was assessed a technical foul. He stayed in the game, or flagrant foul rather. He stayed in the game this time. But the next time, that could be getting tossed from a game like that. And then you really are taking away from your team. But Perk, since you want to talk about the basketball, I do want to continue down that path a little bit. Zach, what, what, when Shanae is talking about the defensive lapses for the Lakers, things of that nature, what specifically did you see in last night's game? Well, last night, I just felt like they got outworked. There were multiple instances of loose balls and gang rebounds, and just there would be three or four Lakers standing around, and one of these young Rockets, Cam Whitmore, did it two or three times, would just burst through that. Rui Hachimura, you're just looking at the ball. I'm going to come take it. And look, we can sit here and talk about the Lakers being built for the playoffs. Here's the reality. The Lakers right now are built to be in the 9-10 game in the play-in tournament. Mm. That's how far back they are. They're playing in a different universe than the top four teams in the West who have lapped the field in that conference. Totally different top four in terms of talent and stability than the Lakers ran through last year until they ran into Denver, who is still there. Obviously, look, this team is 21st in offense, 15th in defense. They have the worst scoring margin than the Brooklyn Nets. And yeah. last year, there were all these ifs we could point to. If LeBron and AD can be healthy, well, they've been healthy. If they re can rearrange their team with the Russell Westbrook trade, they did that and it worked. What are the ifs this year? They've been healthy. I don't know if there's a big restructuring trade on the horizon. Their right. new starting five, despite the Angela Russell shooting lights out, is minus 10 for the season. They don't seem to have any answer that can work for more than a quarter and a half. And time is running out until we have to stop talking about this as a playoff-built team because they're not there right now. Right, sure. There were little stretches right at the beginning of the season. They were without Jared Vanderbilt. They were without Rui Hachimura. Mm. There were portions of that. But right now, this team has everything. And you would think with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, playing at the level that they have been playing at, the same team that went to the Western Conference Finals, we're not feeling the same way about that team. I do wonder, though, in the mm -hmm. East, are the Knicks? 
could they possibly be going to the conference finals <laughs> coming up here on NBA Today? Now we're talking. Now we're talking, <laughs> Perk. The Knicks, Jalen Brunson, they're standing on business. But it's another team in the East that also has Perk's attention. But this one, not for a good reason. And it was a big man battle in Ball Arena last night. Our experts reveal what Jokic's latest win against Giannis and the Bucks proves about the reigning champions. Plus, Jason Kidd, right, he's among the best to ever play in the NBA, but you can't believe the company he's putting his guy Luka Doncic in right now. It's a bold take from the Mavericks coach. Next, more NBA Today on the way. 12 games on the NBA slate last night, so let's go coast to coast. East edition. We're going to start in Boston where the team with the best record in the league overcame a 17-point deficit, beat the Pelicans. It's the Celtics' second largest comeback win in the last two seasons under Joe Mazzula, Tatum, Brown, Drew Holiday. They combined for 70 in the comeback win. Legs, are they the most complete team in the NBA? I believe they are, Malika, because they can win in so many different ways. They've, they've got isolation players at an elite level. They've got five different guys to initiate offense. They can beat you from the three-point line. They can beat you at the mid-range. They can beat you on the defensive end of the Floor. And from Boston to Cleveland, the Cavs, they continued their hot streak. Impressive win over the Clippers this time. They've now won 10 of their last 11 games. Darius Garland, he could be on his way back to the lineup as well this week. Zach, should the Cavs be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Are you kidding? Buyers. Bye, bye, bye. They have four really good young players. They're playing really well. Now they have to reintegrate Mobley and Garland. We'll see, but they're playing great. They are. And then back to the Northeast, where the Knicks, they handle business. They beat the Hornets for their seventh straight win. Jalen Brunson led the Knicks with 32 points, his ninth 30-point game this month. It was also New York's ninth 15-point win in January. That's their most in a calendar year in franchise history. So, Chanae, Perk thinks Brunson should be in the MVP conversation. Do you agree? I agree, but that conversation is like a cafeteria conversation, right? <laughs> like you have tables, everyone gets an inside input. Voice, inside, inside voice. Inside voice. It's not my loud voice. It's my loud Right. Voice. Maybe conversation, not necessarily ballot yet. <laughs> Last, not least, maybe least, Terry Rozier, he put the moves on KD here, but the Heat highlights, they were few and far between. They lost their seventh straight. Over the last three games, the Heat have been outscored by 62 points. That's their worst point differential in any three-game span under Spolstra. Now look at this. The seven-game losing streak is the team's longest in 16 seasons under Spo. He's one of three head coaches to coach over 1,000 games before his first seven-game losing streak, joining Pat Riley and Phil Jackson. So, Perk, the Knicks, the Heat. Uh -oh. They played this weekend. You said, uh-oh. <laughs> but they're the two yeah. teams, right? They're going in completely opposite directions in the standings. Which one are you more bullish on the Knicks or are you more worried about the Miami Heat here? I'm worried about the Miami Heat. And, and here's one for you right here, Malika. It's time for the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler to go their separate ways. And I believe that the Miami Heat need to do right by Jimmy and trade him to a team that's actually that actually could compete for a title this season. And Jimmy needs to accept that. For the simple fact, when you look at their roster right now, right, you have an, a, a veteran, old Kevin Love. Jimmy Butler is 34 years of age. Everyone else is 30 years and younger. Bam is 26. Uh, you know, Hawkins Jr. Is, is, what, 22? I think Tyler Hero is 24. Like, at the end of the day, this Heat team is not going to have a magical run again. And so we don't know how much we're going to see, how much time we're going to have to see playoff Jimmy. Right. And we want to see playoff Jimmy. 
He's just not going to be. It's just not going to be with the Heat. I, and so I feel like it's time for them to part ways. I want to see playoff Jimmy too, but trade Jimmy Butler feels a little far for me, Zach. What about you? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Well, the challenge would be, Perk said, trade him to a contender. What is the contender that still has enough assets to send out to Miami and have a contender on the way back with Jimmy Butler? It's, a, it's an interesting thought exercise and stuff. But look, every team season reaches a make or break point. The Heat are here now. Terry Rozier just got here. Jaime Hawkins Jr. just got back. They have their team now. Jimmy Butler, the last two or three games, has finally looked like Jimmy Butler after kind of meandering around for a bit. If it's going to happen, if this team is going to click into place, it's got to happen now. Or otherwise, it will be too late. Not enough games left on the schedule. So the next five, six, ten games are going to define whether the Heat put themselves in position to at least have a shot to beat some of these teams and take on some of these teams in the playoffs or they fade into oblivion. The good news for them is they have a huge cushion before they fall out of the 7-8 bracket in the play-in tournament. But that's not where the Heat want to be. You don't want to be in a position where you've got to beat the top three teams in the East just to get to the finals. Come on. They need to be better than this and it's got to start now or else the kind of questions that Perk is asking aren't going to sound so ridiculous or like such hot takes. <laughs> that is true. I just feel some type of way because we're approaching February, which means we're approaching the trade deadline, which yeah. means we're approaching Valentine's Day, and we're talking about breakups. I feel like, Kirk, the last few weeks you've been talking about the Warriors, now you're talking about the Heat and the breakups. There is some logical reasoning to the struggles that we're seeing are not normal from them because when Bam, Jimmy, and Tyler Hero suit up, they're like 5 and 11, which yeah. does not make sense. But I also remember that last year, at this point, the Heat were 25 and 22. Things weren't that hot for the Heat. And then they turned it around and made it to the finals. I understand that you feel like you've mi – oh, let me – I don't want to make that analogy, but you've squeezed the most yeah. out of Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, and maybe he's better off on a more of a ready-made contender. But not too long ago, we were also talking about if Damian Lillard made it to the Miami Heat, they would be a contender. Maybe the idea is not necessarily that he has to go and that you have to rebuild. Maybe they're just waiting for their best shot to find someone else to bring them back. So it's right. not just on Jimmy Butler going like, like this every Over the stanchion, season. right. Exactly. Well, but, but I feel like a lot of people thought that Terry Rozier was that. 
that piece, right? Everyone said they needed a point guard. They went out and they got that guard. They got a scoring guard. And now it's sort of like, okay, well, was that their move? So I guess we started this by saying you feel better about the yeah. Knicks or you feel worse about the Heat. Three say they feel right. worse about the Heat. How are you feeling? I'm more, in this conversation, I'm more bullish on the Knicks than the Heat. Because okay. like, the Heat still, last I looked, still do have Eric Spolster, right? Okay. So I have <laughs> yeah. a lot of faith. I have a lot Check. of faith in Spolster. First of all, Perk cracks me up because I think he, in the next life, he's going to be an auctioneer just selling everything. <laughs> Sold. Every player in the league. Sell them off to the highest bidder. Sold. I can see Perk up there with that gavel. No, but here's the thing. Let's talk about the Knicks. And here's what it comes down to for me. When I watch the Knicks play, there's a simple rule in basketball. When you consistently play harder than your opponent, good things happen. That's who the Mm -hmm. Knicks are. They come to work every single night. It's the mentality of their coach. It's the mentality of their personnel and their best player. Jalen Brunson is just one of those guys that's very difficult to get off his game because he's too smart, he's too strong, his fundamentals are too good, and he's, he's too highly skilled, honestly, and he's kind of built for this moment to be a leader of a team in this situation. So, look, they've got this stretch coming up without Randall. This team goes above 500 during that stretch in large part to what Brunson's going to do offensively. Right. It's time that they get through that and they get Randall back after the All-Star break. The New York Knicks are a team now you're going to have to start taking seriously as a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. Right. That's what they're starting to impress me with every night because they just come with the hard hats on every night. You can rarely say that about teams in the league anymore. 20-0, Perk. So, yeah, go ahead. Against teams under 500. I, I mean, you know, they're doing their thing. I, I'm not even about to dive into the Knicks. But, but like, think about this, right? Just a little bit of, like a week ago, right, the Milwaukee Bucks just fired their coach and Adrian Griffin. They were 30 and 13. And I came on here and I gave them their props for stopping the bleeding because it was some internal issues. So when you, and I'm not saying the Heat have internal issues, I'm saying that it's a lot of organizations that are afraid to stop the bleeding or move on and, and hold on for so long when you can stop it early. And so my thing is with Jimmy Butler, yes, we know what he means to the uh, Heat culture. We know how great of a coach that Eric Spoelstra is. I understand they had a magical run. I get that. But the writing is on the wall. They're showing the signs right now. They're, like I, I'm picking three teams right now over the Miami Heat that are going to make it, that could beat them in a seven-game series. And I'm saying Jimmy is 34. We cannot waste the rest of his prime waiting to see if the Miami Heat is going to be a sleeper team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but when Miami's been to two of the last four NBA Finals, I think it's pretty hard. That, that would be a hard okay. heat. That would be a hard pill, at least right now, for the Miami Heat to swallow. I get what you're saying, Perk, but I'm not betting against Miami. Sold, that's at least Perk. Not yet. Sold to the highest bidder. I'm, I'm sold on what I'm going to be doing. Them. Where, where is he going to go? <laughs> I'm following what him. I'm doing Saturday but night. I'm, I'm watching our NBA primetime matchup <laughs> on ABC and ESPN. LeBron and the Lakers are going to be in Madison Square Garden facing Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. Coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 8 o'clock Eastern. Still to come on NBA Today, as Jokic and the Nuggets, they continue to topple the East's elite. Is the second straight title just inevitable at this point? Our experts, they weigh in on if it will be double or nothing for the reigning champs. Plus, is Luka leaving Dirk in the dust? Those are not my words. Jason Kidd's bold take on Luka's dominance that you will need to hear to believe. And are the Lakers, are they finally ready to make a move? Our experts weigh in on who the Lake Show should be honing in on ahead of the trade deadline. All that and more coming up on NBA Today. 
a clash between, between a couple of two-time MVPs last night, a couple of finals MVPs as well in the Mile High City. Nikola Jokic versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. It was also Doc Rivers' first game on the sidelines here for the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee getting out in transition. Nice little give and go there. Giannis throws it down. Throw it ahead, get it back. This is an easy decision for Chris Middleton. <laughs> yeah, this is what Giannis does. The Nassus loves it. Of course he does. Bobby Portis, short off the front rim. These passes, Chanae. I know the Super Bowl's like in two weeks, but right. that was a dawn. Yeah, it was. 45 feet in the air on a rope. Outlet passes from Nikola Jokic up there to Peyton Watson. I mean, this is just what he does. This is a great game. Going ahead to the fourth quarter here, the Milwaukee Bucks down by seven. DeAndre Jordan turns back the clock on Giannis. Giannis got there late, got his feelings hurt. He tries to do both here. He wants to help and recover. Sometimes you can't do both. That underhand scoop pass, though. Nice. You know Giannis needed to, to get his on the other end, though. It looks like DJ maybe made a, a business decision not to help too much on Definitely that one. did. But too many years in the league for that jump right there. That's, that's crazy that he finished that play from behind the backboard. And then Nikola Jokic. A little acrobatics there off the ground. Tough finish. Sorry, I had to. Gets the and one. Chris Middleton. Peyton Watson, again, yes, love this guy. Love it. He's going to be more and more important for this team in the playoffs. The length gets the steal. Michael Porter on the leak out. Now the Milwaukee Bucks down by six. Giannis, why not? Takes a three, makes a three. Come on now. When he's showing that, that shows you that this game matters. It was actually a great defensive game as well. Jamal Murray puts the ice. Little mid-range jumper there. Nuggets win 113-107. Jokic had 25 points, 16 rebounds, 12 assists. Giannis, 29, 12, and 4. The Nuggets in the last 11 days, they've now defeated each of the top three seeds in the East. If anyone, if anyone's, you know, checking. They took care of business against the Bucks, 76ers, their last two games. And then about a week ago, week ago, Denver, they became the first team to yes, Boston on their home floor. So Kendrick Perkins, we, we haven't seen a team repeat since the Golden State Warriors had Kevin Durant. Do you think the Denver Nuggets, they are the team to beat here? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. The team to beat yes. for us stopping them from repeat. Yes. They're not even going to make it out of the West. The team coming out of the West, Malik, is the Clippers. And I need to apologize to James Harden because the way that he's playing right now alongside aside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard Jordan, healthy with the depth that they have, Listen, the Clippers are not lacking anything. They have three legitimate centers in Zubak, Daniel Tice, and Plumlee. They loaded at the wing position. Norman Powell and Russell Westbrook comes off the bench and provides a hell of a spark. 
and they have a championship coach in Ty Lue. This team healthy is not only winning the West, but in my eyes is winning the entire NBA championship this year. Wow, mark it. January 30th, Kendrick Perkins is calling it the Clippers are winning the NBA yeah, write championship. It down All right, well, take I, a picture. I, I'm writing it down. I'll take a picture <laughs> in the break. I don't know whether or not the Clippers are going to come out of the West, but possibly, maybe, could Anthony Edwards or SGA, they're two of the young stars that could potentially dethrone the champions, although I, I like to ride with the champs till the wheels fall off. Anthony Edwards, he went to work in this, pulls up over Chet Holmgren here, Tim. Yeah, and I just love his in- his intensity, work ethic, and then when he's making the step back three, very difficult cover, but Shea, Shea was sensational in this game. Shea creates a little bit fadeaway three there. Shea Gilgis Alexander once again here, Cheney creating some space, strains the three. Man, I love this matchup. It's the I have arrived matchup, SGA and Edwards. Sneaky candidates for MVP based off of the impact that they had, but that guy right there, and he's on a different level right now. Absolutely. This one continued well into the fourth quarter here, the back and forth between these two, Tim. I just how he manipulates the basketball around backline defenders. It's unbelievable how he gets soft shots up on the glass, even in traffic. Does it again right there. One point game here, kicking it out to Jaden McDaniels in the corner, wide open for three. And then two minutes left here. The Timberwolves now up by two. Anthony Edwards, he just goes and attacks. Come on, the he rim. rejected the screen from Rudy Gobert, who's a stifle tower, goes down the middle, slices through the defense and shows his highlights. Come on, young. Man. He wanted a foul on this call. No, you're good. Happy with you the got no a highlight. Call. You're going to be fine. Well, he did have 27 points, four <laughs> rebounds, but he was asked about it. He wasn't too happy with I know. the refs after the game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to take the fine because the refs did not give us no calls tonight. We had to play through every bump, every grab. I don't know. I don't know how we won tonight. Uh, big shout out to my team. Big shout out to my coaches for sure. I mean, I know I shouldn't, but I shouldn't say this, but I love this guy. Like, I, I love that. These are the teams they've been one and two in the West for most of the season, Zach. They split the season series two and two. What stood out to you the most? Well, Minnesota needed a win like this. They needed a good fourth quarter like this. And Jaden McDaniels was awesome down the stretch on both ends of the floor, along with the Ant-Man, who was unbelievable. Look, Minnesota's offense up and down. Last night, they reminded us, our defense travels. Our defense is here every single game, every single possession, and we are huge. And if we look at, at the end of the game, Oklahoma City down six, a player one to zero in on, needs a three. My holy bleep moment of the night. They need a three. Desperately needed three. Here comes Lou Dort. He's open. Look at Jaden McDaniels. He's helping at the nail. Oh my God. Hey, he flies and he's going to fly at him. Lou Dort's going to reconsider this three. 99 out of 100 defenders are out of the play. He jumps back in and Lou Dort's like, oh my God, I got to pass it. And it just goes from here. One big dude after another, dissuading shot after shot until whatever that is happens. That is my holy bleep moment of the night. Jaden McDaniels just flying around, hopping around, and Lou Dort pump fake and not knowing when to shoot and just deciding to pass. Timberwolves defense is for real. Jaden McDaniels is for real. They're just huge across the board. Yeah, there's a reason why, as you see, take a look here at the Western standings. They're at the top. The four teams are separated by just two games overall, just one in the loss column. So. 
the race, right, for the number one seed in the West. It won't be decided for a couple of months here. But the top four teams, you know, they've started to create a little bit of separation here. Chanae, do you have a power ranking for the four teams in the West? Look, this is not Perp's list. This is not Malika's <laughs> list. This is not Tim's list. But does it have a, does it have a this fire? Is your girl Chanae's list, okay? And these are power rankings. And even though it could be fluid, here we go. Um, Perp just said that the Clippers have absolutely everything. That's not correct. They have some company. So number one on the list, I'm going with the Denver Nuggets. Yep. They literally beat the best teams out east. They showed that they can do it when it matters most. I know a lot of people have been critical of, like, they've taken some uncharacteristic losses, but when they show up in the biggest moments, they've handled their business. They've been standing on business, like Perk would say. At number two, I'm going to have to go, though, with the Clippers. Okay. Just because, I mean, their talent, if you think about the big four, a lot of these guys who are hunting championships, they are truly complete, but I don't know if they have all of the, I guess you can say, expertise and experience that the health has really kept them back from. So I'm going to go with the, uh, the Clippers at number two. Now, this is where things get fun, because yeah. if you look at the standings, this is not what you see. But what you have seen most of the season are the T-Wolves. And what I love about this squad is that they're winning with defense. A lot of times when offense is the one that has got a lot of teams better in the standings. Defensively, they're great. Also, what, you have a DPOY, you have Ant Edwards, who's an all-NBA guy, Cat, who's the best shooting big. So I like the T-Wolves there. They have a lot to prove this postseason. And last but not least, my okay. final fourth spot. Okay. I'm going to go with the Thunder. Wow, all right. They're top six in both offense and defense. I know they have struggled as of late, but again, Shea Gil Gilgis-Alexander has put himself into the MVP conversation. Tech could be Rookie of the Year. They're building a squad that will be great for the extended future. So right now, these are my power rankings. I have one team that could have made the list, but right now, this is what we're going with. Who, who could crash the party like? Well, I'm going to tell you, first of all, great minds think alike. That's Ooh. exactly the order I would have yes. put these teams in as well. And I think the only team potentially could crash this is right here, the Phoenix Suns, because I just think the upside of what they could eventually become offensively might be able to get them into this party. I think New Orleans is too inconsistent. Lakers, we just talked about all their issues. Yep. I don't think Sacramento is ready defensively. And the Dallas Mavericks, you know, Luka is going to keep you in it, but ultimately they're not good enough defensively. I think Phoenix is the one team that could be so good offensively, yeah. they might be able to upset the apple cart at the top. Okay, the Dallas Mavericks, they were not put in the top five or even the honorary, you know, sixth in this necessarily. There's no question, though, Luka's been lighting it up right yeah. for the Dallas Mavericks still to come on NBA today has this run officially launched him into the stratosphere that includes LeBron Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant one Hall of Famer thinks so but is he right we'll answer that next Luca's been on a heater man and his dominance continued last night Luca and the Mavs hosting the magic here in this one. Over the last five games since returning from an ankle injury, Doncic is averaging a 40-point triple-double, Tim. Absolutely unstoppable right now. This is the most unstoppable dominant offensive force in the game right now because he controls it as a scorer and as, as a facilitator. And right now, this is the best, this is the best stretch of his career. Oh, I like that statement because I'm thinking about Joel Embiid and what he's doing, but you're right. His ability as a facilitator might separate him, and we're seeing some uncharted waters for a guy that's, what, 25 and under? Four-point game here. Luka Doncic feeds it to Derek Lively, who is amped after that one. Luka's like, yeah, you see my vision. You see it there. Three-point game, though. It got a little bit dicey here. What in the world? Give it up. He walked Jimmy, with come it. come on, man. He got, yeah, he got held a little bit, but he took about six steps on a trap in the backcourt. <laughs> yeah, and the refs called him out for it. 
Paolo Bancaro goes up strong there. He thinks he was fouled. The Magic down one at this point. After some Mavs, Mavs, <laughs> Mavs free throws. Say Mavs Magic a whole bunch of times fast. Okay, the miss. Can they hang on? The Magic have a chance. Man, oh, perfectly executed. Dodgers finishes with 45 points, 15 assists, 9 rebounds. Mavs get the win in a thriller over the Magic. Say that a couple of you times. You got it. Luka has now scored and <laughs> assisted on almost 80 points per game over his last three. That's the third most in a three-game span in NBA history behind only overlapping spans from Wilt Chamberlain. Around what? Oh, yeah, around his 100-point game. And Jason Kidd, he was on local radio in Dallas, 97.1 The Freak. And he says we are not appreciating Luka's game enough. Take a listen. You can't take this young man for granted. Um, he's better than Dirk. Uh, he's in the in the in the atmosphere of MJ, uh, the best to ever do it. LeBron, uh, Kobe, um, and so just to appreciate what uh, this young man's doing at the age of 24 is uh, something that Dallas has never seen. And uh, his ultimate goal is to. To, to win a championship, and he will win multiple uh, when it's all said and done. That's a pretty bold statement. Not the championships, the, the first part there, but does he have a point here, Perk? At first, when I first heard these comments, I was like, J.K. tripping, but he do have a point. And, and Lucas showed us that when he first went against the Clippers in that series, and he dominated the Clippers, although Dallas lost the series, but Luka is one of one when it comes down to just individual talent and dominating the game. I always said this, he's LeBron James minus the athleticism, right? Minus the high-flying dunks and all that. That's how much he controls the game. A game changer and a game manager when need be. And Luka, what he's doing right now, the run he's on is special. I wish a lot of it could come to wins because you want to see more of this Luka in the postseason. But Jay Kidd is on to something. Listen, he took it too far. Let's, let's, just, let's just be honest about it. He went too far. I didn't even have a problem when he said he's better than Dirk because from a skill set standpoint, he is better than Dirk because of his ability to handle the basketball and create for other people. And he scores at the same rate Dirk did or better than Dirk did even. So I'm okay with that. He should have left it there and said he aspires to be one day mentioned with the likes of a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant, and a Michael Jordan. That's a perfectly fine statement. When you throw him in there now with three guys that won 15 rings collectively, <laughs> and you haven't even been to the finals yet. And here's the biggest point for me. All three of those guys that stretches in their career were, were candidates for defensive player of the year. Certainly first-team all-league type defenders. Laid it on the line and affected the game on that end as well. So I just think J.K. went too far. And there is no way Jason Kidd makes that statement if he's not his head coach. Like if Jason Kidd's just watching Luka, he's not saying that about Luka. Do you agree? Come on. You appreciate it. <laughs> but, but legs, but legs, I was think I'm thinking that he's talking about like when they were around his age and at the beginning stages yes. of their career. I, I agree. I, 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 I do think so. Yeah, that's what I that's what I took and, it as. And it gets exaggerated it, when it's on local radio. And you're right, Perk. And I think the numbers that I was gonna bring up is he's twenty-four, averaging thirty-four point six or something right now. That is absurd. He's a five-time NBA All-Star already at the age of 24. So his trajectory and what he's able to do, his talent-wise, I see the comps when it comes to scoring, controlling, leading a team. But my goodness, the separators here are championship. Tim is absolutely right to me. Yeah, Zach, where do you fall on this? Yeah, I just... I. 
I think we maybe should just leave the names Michael Jordan and LeBron James kind of off to the side in most player comparisons. But look, he's on the way there. That's what he's doing. That's how good he is. That's the territory he's going to be in if he keeps playing at this pace. And yeah, he hasn't won a ring yet. He's 24 years old or whatever he is. And the ultimate tribute to him, Perk nailed it before. Teams fear him as a playoff opponent. They want no part of dealing with this dude for seven games, trying every defense in the book against him. We got a trap, we got a switch. And watching him solve it on the first or at the latest second try. He is a guy that makes coaches stay up at night and get in cold sweats and have nightmares about what in the hell he's going to do to our defensive game plan tomorrow yeah. and the next day and the next day. Teams want nothing to do with him in a playoff series. Yeah, I wouldn't want anything to do with him offensively in a playoff series. By the end of his rookie year, I said this guy's going to be a multiple-time champion and a multiple-time MVP, and I believe that. I'll stand by that mm. statement, but let's let him let's let him get a little further down the road before right. we stop dropping those no, kinds of names. That's all I'm saying. He took it a little too far. It's That's always all good to have something to aspire to, right? You want to leave something to aspire to. We had 12 games uh, on the NBA slate last night. They were a whole lot of fun. But before we bounce, the play of the night, did you guys see this? Yes, I did. 1.8 seconds left. Memphis Hustle inbounding. Oh, my goodness. Cameron McGriff throws it down. The game-winning alley-oop. Just a perfect pass from Adonis Absolutely Arms there. Absolutely perfect, man. Look at that ball. I mean, this is respecting, honoring, delivering a game in one possession. I saw this highlight. I was like, yes, you're on NBA today. Let's <laughs> Needed go. To get it in. Let's run back some of the best game-winning alley-oops of all time. All of these were with less than one second on the clock. Of course, remember this. Game two of the 2021 West Finals. The value. This one made us bring the textbooks out and like, how did this work out? Like, one of the most difficult angles I've ever seen on a pass. And best angle right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get a reaction like that. And then, of course, you remember this, Jeff Green and the Grizzlies. Ooh, to beat the Suns. This was in 2015. Jeff Green. I mean, he still's got those hops. Absolutely. I don't know how he holds on to those hops this long. <laughs> and then today, Dwight Howard in 2007 to beat the Spurs here. He made his first All-Star team that year. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, look at the extension to yep. grab that. Not many players could have made that play, but Dwight Howard definitely one of the young pops face in that one, too. We have two big returns on our Wednesday NBA slate. We have KD and the Suns there in Brooklyn taking on his former team, the Nets, on ABC he says he doesn't want a promo video. We'll see if he gets a tribute. <laughs> uh, then Dame Lillard plays his first game back in Portland with the Bucks. That's at 10 Eastern on ESPN. NBA Countdown tips it off at 7.30. So as the clock ticks down to the trade deadline, is there a trade that could change the Lakers' season? Why the key to a turnaround? It might be wearing an opponent's jersey tonight. Some breaking news. Steph Curry and Sabrina Unescu will go head-to-head for the first NBA versus WNBA three-point challenge at All-Star Weekend. And Steph, you might have his work cut out for him a little bit here. Don't forget, Sabrina knocked down 25 of 27 threes at WNBA All-Star Weekend last July. She finished with 37 points. The best number Steph has put up in competition, shooting 21 of 27 for 31 points. Okay, Sab, let's go, Sab. If there's one player right now, she can do it. Clearly, she's fired up. She posted this on social media. I'll shoot it from the NBA line. Let's get it. And that's going to be tough for the rest of the league in the W because like, oh, I'm comfortable with this line. Let me just roll this exactly. out. I can't wait for this. It's time now for setting the pick brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. The 76ers, they are in Golden State to face the Warriors tonight. Our Adrian Wojnarowski reports that Joel Embiid, he's going to be listed as questionable with that left knee injury. 
that he had missed the last two games with. Now Embiid is expected to go through his pregame warm-up and decide whether or not he can play. Either way, Zach Lowe, he is picking the Warriors in this one to hand Philly their fourth straight loss. You're picking legs. Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they give him their fourth straight loss. All right, that's who we got. Cosign, retweet. Who are you picking? Download the ESPN Bet app to get started. New customers receive $100 in bonus bets once they place their first sportsbook bet with ESPN Bet. So after another game on the slate last night, uh, tonight, the Lakers are going to be in Atlanta visiting the Hawks. They played last night in Houston. LeBron, the ninth-seeded Lakers, are 2-5 and five on back-to-backs this season. Anthony Davis, he is out tonight. But since they're playing the Hawks, it's only right that we need to revisit a potential DeJounte Murray trade with the deadline only nine days away. So here's a look at our very own Kevin Pelton, the trade he wants to see. The Lakers, they would acquire Murray in a three-way deal that would see the Hawks receive Spencer Dinwiddie from the Nets, a Lakers 2029 first round pick, D'Angelo Russell, then routed to Brooklyn. Get it, got it, take that all in. Zach, is this a deal that the Lakers should make? It's a deal the Lakers should make, although that 2029 pick, if it's unprotected, is a pretty valuable asset. The better question is, is it a deal that Atlanta should make? I'm trading DeJounte Murray for that, for, for one first-round pick, essentially, and Spencer Dinwiddie, or D'Angelo Russell goes to the Nets, I get Spencer Dinwiddie on an expiring contract. Not sure that's worth my while in terms of a trade when I gave up way more than that to get DeJounte Murray, unless I'm really betting against the Lakers in 2029. Yeah, I don't think that the Lakers should do it just because it's one pick they're working with for DeJounte Murray and maybe, you know, a player versus in the offseason, they could have three of their picks available for an even better player. So would you rather, you know, help LeBron James now with DeJounte or help LeBron James with someone that is worthy of maybe potentially three picks in the offseason and betting on him at 40, which we're betting on him at 39 because we're seeing what we're seeing. I don't think it's enough for Atlanta in return. I agree with Zach. Here's the thing. Here's one way I do like it for the Lakers. I don't think they're good enough on the perimeter defensively against the guards they're going to have to play if they do want to make a run because they're going to be coming, let's say, from the eighth spot. You're playing guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You're playing against guys like Devin Booker. You're playing against high-level scoring guards. DeJounte Murray can really help you in the perimeter defensively. I just don't know, like, the fit offensively around LeBron and AD. Is that something where you're going to max out who DeJounte Murray can be? So, Zach, if you're not making this deal, is there something you're keeping an eye on for the Los Angeles Lakers? No, I mean, just the broader trade market. And we keep throwing these names out there, and it doesn't seem like the Lakers are super excited about some of them. It doesn't seem like they're offering enough to get others. I mean, we'll just we'll just have to see, but there's, there's no one specific, you know, that's really going to change their season that comes to mind. And therein, I think, lies the problem for the Los Angeles Lakers. Zach mentioned it earlier. It felt like a couple of moves that they could make last year. We were all asking these questions. Well, if they just do this, if they just make a trade centered around Russell Westbrook, it doesn't feel like they have that big move to make here and that's the issue for LA. That's going to do it for us today. We will see you tomorrow right here on NBA Today.